Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. As always, I have a fabulous guest with me today. This is my friend, Arlene Kogan. Arlene is an author, speaker, coach, and trainer. She is also a certified financial planner known in the industry as CFP. Welcome to the show, Arlene. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Paul. It's a pleasure to finally be on your show. Thank you so much. We have been looking forward to this for a while. And I'm excited about our topic. Arlene, you're a a financial planner and you're somebody who gets this whole thing about positivity and some of the positive psychology principles that I teach. I think there's a lot of overlap when it comes to having a successful financial plan and a joyful life. And there's some overlapping principles. The thing that caught my attention about what you're teaching is that you are really passionate about philanthropy and giving and generosity. Can you share with us and with our listeners today where you're coming from on that? What is it that has lit you up about this thing that we ought to know about you as we start the conversation? Well, why this lights me up Dr. Paul, it's real simple. There's hard science that giving provides happiness. And Mm. I like to make people happy. Yes. (laughs) So one of the things we can look at, back in 2003, Dr. Professor Michael Norton from Harvard Business School did a great study, and it started off with a bunch of students at the the college on the campus of the University of British Columbia, and they had two sets of participants for this experiment, right? The first set got an envelope with five bucks. The second got an envelope with $20, and basically, they were given the money the ones with $5 had a note in them that said, go spend this money on yourself. And at the end of the day, we're going to call you and see how you felt. The second group, the second group got $20 and said, go spend it on someone else. And at the end of the day, we're going to call you and see how you felt. And Uh so they, so they did. And the people with $5 were like, Oh yeah. Okay. I got a Starbucks. It was cool the people who got $20 and gave it to someone else, they felt happy and they were really excited. In the, in, um, the Gallup polls, they did this in 136 countries around the world and the same results came through. If you give money away, you are happier. So money can buy you happiness if you give it to a cause you care about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is so intriguing. 
I'm remembering as you shared that, Arlene, that I've I've come across studies, and maybe that one was included in the ones that I've seen before, where they have done these comparisons in in controlled psychological study environments. And they've they've tested it also against different amounts of money. And it doesn't seem to be tied to the amount as much because you might think, well, you know, give those people 20 bucks to spend on themselves. They're going to be happy too. And they've done it. Yes. They've found that spending it on yourself doesn't have the same effect on lasting happiness or even a subjective sense of happiness as much as spending it on someone else. Exactly. And that's what, when I talk about philanthropy, it's that long-term happiness that you get by giving money away in a way you never imagined. Mm. I want the long-term happiness, not just that immediate gratification of a Starbucks coffee, but that real long-term caring. I know you've done some thinking about this. I'm doing some thinking about it as we're having the conversation. Why do you think that is? What, what do you attribute it to, Arlene? Why, why does this work? Why? Because it all takes place, once again, with science. It all takes place in your prefrontal cortex. And giving money away has the same physical reaction as great food, wine, and sex. Really? Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? That really is interesting. You know what? I've also found that when we focus on ourselves, we have a higher incidence of anxiety. When, you know, when we're all worried about, oh, do people like me? Or am I good enough? Or anytime it gets into that focus on ourselves, we increase our, our likelihood of actually experiencing anxiety. Yes. And the philanthropy has an interesting twist to it because you get outside of yourself. And it also gives you a sense of doing something that is important or meaningful, that has purpose. Exactly. And some of the other stuff I love to use, Dr. Paul, and here's for the old timers listening, Abraham Maslow. Remember his hierarchy of needs? Absolutely. Okay. Well, we can put philanthropy in that self-actualization piece of his hierarchy, where it's purpose, it's being bigger than yourselves. Self, you've met everything else, and here's where you get to be creative and really express yourself. Right. And it assumes that your other more basic needs are already met, which is interesting. Maybe we should just discuss that a little bit, Arlene, because some of our listeners may not be familiar with with Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. Basically, folks, if you if you picture a pyramid and down at the base is the big part and up at the top is the pinnacle or the point of that pyramid. And there are several layers to this. The bottom layer is the most important one and it has to do with safety and survival and food and water and shelter. And as it moves up, you know, once you meet those needs, then you can focus on other needs like educational or 
curiosity Loving and belonging and self-esteem yes yeah all and those four levels are assumed to be handled and that you're going for the biggest purpose of your life so once okay. i i think spending something on yourself assumes that you need something and if that need is met then why would you spend it on yourself so you go to this higher you you use the word self actualization that's one of maslow's uh descriptors mhm right up at the top right <laughs> yeah and this is where we have a purpose and um something that can live on beyond us and uh fulfilling our highest potential sort of a thing yeah so you're saying that's where the philanthropy fits that's where it is yeah philanthropy occurs in fulfillment experience of purpose and meaning beyond yourself and that purpose and meaning is very different for for everyone yeah right but there are some common principles too have you found that well, common principles of giving, um, yes. there are, I think there are many common principles of giving. Uh, coming from the financial aspect, a big principle is I'm going to save on my taxes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, if I have three buckets, family, government, and philanthropy, and I get to choose two, which two do I want to choose? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't so, think government's going to make anybody's list, typically. <laughs> no, uh, you know, the guiding principles of philanthropy really talk about how do you want to be remembered and what difference do you want to make in the world? Philanthropy is a very personal journey and it looks very different to everyone, depending on what you want to accomplish with your philanthropy, how you want to be remembered, what's important, what are the values, life lessons and stories that you can share when you're not going to be here. I think, Arlene, as we come back from our break, I would love to dig into what what you've learned about how people can go about this. Do you have some some strategies that you could share with us? Well, you know, I think having been in the financial world for so, so long Mm -hmm. that individuals are sometimes thwarted by a family situation that almost shuts them down from thinking that they could make a gift. And let me explain that. Interesting. For for example, you might have a child with special needs, a child who failed to launch. You want to take care of a loved one. But you think, I have to take care of them, and therefore I cannot give to charity. Right? Right. So there are a lot of different techniques you can do, both giving during your life, and through your estate plan after you die to accomplish that. For example, 
you could set up a trust for that loved one and they will get an income stream through their life. And when they are no longer alive, that can go to support your charitable cause. And therefore, you accomplish actually three things. One, you get a tax deduction. There's your tax break. You help a loved one and you leave a legacy. So you've dealt with a personal objective, taking care of a loved one, Mm -hmm. your financial objective, reducing taxes, and your legacy objective by supporting that cause you care about. That's comprehensive financial planning when you have the trifecta. And that triggers some some other ideas. I think you've queued this up nicely, Arlene. As we come back from this break, let's get into some other strategies or or techniques that people could apply. Folks, this is Arlene Kogan at Live On Purpose Radio. We will be right back. Hey, Live On Purpose family. I know you're a fan of personal development and that's why you're here on the podcast. Something else that I think you would really like is Live On Purpose TV. Come on over to youtube.com forward slash Live On Purpose TV, where you will find daily episodes that are all geared toward powering up your personal development program. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. And we're back. Arlene Kogan, CFP. P, which means certified financial planner, that you had to go through some certification and education and training to get that, didn't you? Oh, yeah. The certified financial planner is a really great credential. It's a comprehensive program that deals with five areas of planning, from basic financial planning, estate planning, retirement planning, all that good stuff. And it's one of those ones that you have to have continuing education credits for. <laughs> that's important. It is. I, I think, Arlene, that's the context around why what you're saying carries even more weight. Because you're not just coming off the street saying, oh, I'm going to see if I can go get people to give more. You're coming from a place of, look, folks, this is a valid, solid financial planning principle to give. And some people wouldn't see it that way necessarily. Well, and that's true because when I began in the financial services world, Mm -hmm. I was on Wall Street and I worked for a lot of the large banking institutions where we were all about greed, 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 get money, make money, give, you know, keep the money and grow the money. Right. And it was and it wasn't until, uh, and you know, sexual harassment, the glass ceiling, you name it, Wall Street was great. <laughs> but it wasn't until I moved out to Oregon and had two girls that I really wanted to take a look at myself and basically ask myself the same questions. How do I want to be remembered? How do I lead by example to my daughters so they could have a job they like and, and do well? Um, and I saw a career coach and everything came up, philanthropy. And that's when I started looking at switching from 20 years in the trust and investment world to nonprofit. And then I was with the Oregon Community Foundation 
doing fundraising for nine years. Wow. Before the break, you gave an example of someone who's concerned about a loved one. They needed to care for them. Uh, And you know that people are in a whole variety of different financial circumstances or contexts. It's really common, Arlene, for people to think, when I'm wealthy, then I'll give. (laughs) Sure. Could you comment about that? You know, it's kind of like having a child. Are you ever really ready to have the first child? You know, (laughs) are you 100% ready? Giving is kind of like that. You always think, when I have a little bit more for many people. But here's a really great tip to make giving figure into your your current plan and you don't even have to see an attorney. Let's okay. say let's say there's an organization out there that you give a hundred dollars to every year. Do you have one you give a hundred dollars to every year, Dr. Paul? Oh yeah. Name one. I've get I give at least that to my church. Okay. So let's say you give your church a hundred dollars a year. And that's it. And at the end of your life, you want to endow that $100 gift. So in perpetuity, if you give them $2,000, so you take your annual gift and you times it by 20, and that would equal $2,000, which if invested properly and paid a 5% payout, you would endow that $100 gift in perpetuity with your church. It's that simple. Now, wait, I'm going to layer on that, Dr. Paul. Bring it. If you have a CD with $2,000 CD, you could put a payable on death to your church, not even go see an attorney. If you have an IRA account or retirement account, you can change the beneficiary that $2,000 will go to your church for their endowment and you didn't have to see an attorney to do it. And you've just made, left a legacy with your church that you never imagined you could. So this is available to anyone. You don't have to be at that, that wealthy status to start giving or to, to start thinking, you know what? Arlene Wynn said, are you ever really ready to have a child? What if we were to say, you know what? As soon as I'm a really good parent, then I'll have a child. It's kind of like the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. You start giving and it changes something in your mind. And I think this is powerful because once you change the way you're thinking about your money, for example, Mm-hmm. And you're you have a philanthropic plan in place for wherever you are now. You start from where you are. That changes Absolutely. the way that you think, and you're likely to get more money as a result. Yeah, it's it's amazing how that positive mindset and focus breeds abundance. But it's true; it really right. does. Well, I'm sure glad to get that validation from you, Arlene, because I've thought that for quite a while. Well, I'm so glad I could provide it. What, um, 
what would you encourage people to do if they're just in a place where, yeah, okay, I get that it's important. Um, where do you usually encourage people to start as they're looking at their overall financial plan and as they're thinking, okay, how do I work philanthropy into this? Mm-hmm. Do you have some steps that you can share with us? Yeah. And, you know, I think the important thing to do when we look at figuring philanthropy into our overall plan is starting with evaluating where we are and what we've already done and give ourselves credit for that. People, you know, we don't give ourselves credit that we're at the grocery store and we throw the coins in the little box. That's philanthropy. We're buying the Girl Scout cookies. You know, there's a percentage of every box that goes to that group. So we really want to start documenting where we're giving because, and then start evaluating what are our values, life lessons, and stories. And we want to start to make sure our advisors are aligned with that. Are they like-minded and like-valued in terms of making a difference? Are they having these conversations with you? Um, I remember when I was at the Community Foundation, I can't remember how many times someone would say, I'm going to go talk to my advisor about this gift. And the advisor sometimes was not agreeing that it was a good gift at the time. And it was something they didn't really need. So Hmm. it's just, you got to start with evaluating where you are, figuring out your core values and making sure you have advisors that you know, like, and trust and are like-minded. That's, that's triggering some other things for me too, Arlene, because you're talking about a very basic starting place that affects everything. You're, mm-hmm. Your finances, obviously, you know, some people, and you probably get this in your practice where people will come to you and they want some coaching or some financial advice and, and they just want you to give them money ideas. And then you start talking about life purpose and values. And (laughs) we don't always clearly see the connection there, but I, I think I'm hearing from you that this drives the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Where you want to end up in life with your retirement, how you remember it, you got to start planning that today. You know, you know that old saying, write your own obituary or that practice, that exercise. I'm sure you did it in one class or another in college. Mm -hmm. Well, let's look at that with where we are now in your life and where, how you want to be remembered. Let's revisit that and start planning Is it the arts, education, the environment? Everywhere you look, Dr. Paul, there is need. What's great is Americans are extremely generous people. We've given away over $410 billion last year in philanthropy alone. That's only 2% of gross domestic product. Hmm. Could you imagine if... Charitable giving went from 2% of GDP to 3% of GDP. What would be possible? We could change the world. It's not a huge individual step, but collectively, it's massive. Exactly. 
The thing that I really like about that too, Arlene, is that it represents a change of mindset, uh, an increase in generosity and human kindness and purpose-driven activity. So I think it bubbles over to all kinds of things that we may not even be able to anticipate fully. Exactly. And if anything, the world needs a lot more of that right now, that generosity and kindness. We could always use a little more of that. You're right. <laughs> Our There'll ladies, never be enough of it. <laughs> this is a fun conversation. I love that we can get some some people from different industries. You know, you're coming from the finance industry, but we're speaking the same language because it's really about purpose and it's about values and it's about the principles that make something like philanthropy work in the first place. And as you were just commenting, you know, filling the world with those kinds of principles just makes it a better place for everybody. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, we could start a little thing here, couldn't we? <laughs> hey, Arlene, before I let you go, I really would love to have people know where they can find you and connect with you. Now, this is exciting because at the time of this recording, folks, Arlene is preparing for her book launch. <laughs> Here's the book. Now, people listen to podcasts at different times. And so this could be, you know, past old history by the time you're listening to it. But anyway, here's the book, Give to Live. I love that. Give to Live and the subtitle, Make a Charitable Gift You Never Imagined by Arlene Kogan, spelled C-O-G-A-N. I gave you an A where I should have given you an E. C-O-G-E-N. Thank you for correcting that. Arlene Kogan. Um, Arlene, where else can people find you or connect with you? Your book is scheduled to launch in November of 2018. Correct. Uh, and, and if you're listening before or after that, there's still ways to connect with Arlene. Where, where do they go? Well, there's a few places they can go. They can okay. find me on my website, ArleneKogan.com. G-E-N at the yep. end. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> it I, I cut you right off, Arlene. A-R-L-E-N-E-C-O-G-E-N.com. Correct. You can also find me on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you uh, go to my website, you can actually sign up for sneak peeks and discounts to purchase my book when it becomes available. Wonderful. And this is where, where you've shared your knowledge, your wisdom about philanthropy and charitable giving with the world. Right. Yeah, so it's broken into three parts. The first part is my story and really talks about um, giving during life and through your state plan, as well as what are the different ways that you could give, like through a donor advised fund or private foundation. The second section is all the great stories of individuals and families. I've had the honor of guiding them to create their philanthropic plan. And then the last, and it gives you ideas on how to deal with a child who failed to launch. And, you know, different people take different approaches. And the last section just gives you some tips on uh, talking to your advisors and identifying an advisor who is going to help you on this journey. Ooh, that could be very helpful. 
Very useful. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Arlene, for this conversation today. You've contributed some great things to our program today. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. And it's time for everyone of us to now go live on purpose. Mm-hmm.